Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Even Jesus had emotions. He was angry once. He wept once. But it's not only emotions. There's also a time of righteous, balanced, accurate, correct, logical thinking. And they both kind of work together, not against each other. And so for us, if we seek the Lord, my question to you is this. Are you really seeking the Lord of the Bible? And so here's a suggestion. And that would be that while I'm grateful that you're here every Sunday and you're in your connection groups and you're studying, do you have a personal time with God where you seek Him? Do you really seek Him with your mind? I would encourage you to get involved in a connection group. Get involved in a Sunday school class. Get yourself a new Bible. I had a, a wonderful couple come up to me this morning. This is a fresh example. She showed me, or they both showed me, a Chinese Bible that was now a beautiful reference Bible, just like we have in English. And while I'm preaching, that Chinese Bible is open on her lap right now as she's following along in her language. She wants to know the book. She's seeking truth. She's seeking the Lord. Another thing you might do is perhaps take a Bible Institute class. Maybe go online and find out an online Bible college or seminary. If some of you are thinking, I need to begin a family library. Pastor, what books would help me to seek the God of the Bible? Now, I know this is very practical, but let me just share these. One, get yourself a good study Bible. One that has some good notes in it, cross-references in it, maps in it. Secondly, get yourself a concordance. So if you don't know where a verse is, you can then look it up and find out where it would be. Get yourself a Bible dictionary and maybe a one single volume commentary on the Bible. Now this is a beginner's Bible, a beginner's library, but I would begin there. So we want to seek Him with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. Here's number two. David tells his son, not only do you want to seek him, but you also want to know him. And so he says, Solomon, my son, get to know the God of your ancestors or the God of your fathers. I thought that was quite interesting because as an admonition is to know God, but to know him intimately and personally. There are a lot of people that can know a lot about God, and I caution the men when we study our theology that we just don't know theology because it could become dead orthodoxy. We want to have sound intimacy with the Lord based on orthodoxy, but it will not be dead if we seek God. And that's how we get to know Him. So my question to you dads would be this. If you know the command for your son or daughter is to know the Lord and know the God of your fathers, if I was to ask your kids, do they know your God? And what are you doing to teach them your God. Is God real to you? 
Or is it possible that your child is getting his perception and doctrine of God from others and not from you? The only person that would have the most influence on that child correctly for God that you can control, watch this, is going to be you. And therefore, dads, this is a time for your heart to beat after the heartbeat of God for your kids. It's interesting because you have David here. He knew that his young boy Solomon probably watched him as he would pray, as he would praise, as he would seek God, as he lived for the Lord, as he was a man of great courage, and how he even ran the kingdom based upon the godly principles that David knew. So Solomon as the boy was actually learning about God by observing dad. Sometimes it is more caught than taught. So besides knowing the Lord, he goes a little bit further now. And he says you need to worship the Lord. I think that's important too because that brings us back into I seek the Lord, I know the Lord, but now I'm going to demonstrate my love for the Lord. So he says worship him with your whole heart and with your willing mind. For the Lord sees every heart and understands and knows every thought and every plan that we have. You might want to take your pen now if you have it out. And why don't you take a moment and circle the phrase simply, whole heart, and then circle the phrase, willing mind. So it comes with a heart and a willing mind. In other words, God knows your motives, so he says, I want you to do it now with a willing mind. Willing to do what? Willing to seek the Lord. Willing to know the Lord. Willing to worship the Lord. It's beautiful how that when I seek the Lord... The more I seek the Lord, the more I'll know of the Lord. Watch this. The more I know of the Lord, the more I seek the Lord. Are you traveling in your mind with me? If you're not, maybe I'll put it into a very practical thing. Sometimes uh, when I'm at your house for, for dinner and you make a wonderful dessert and it's so good, it tastes so good, I usually say something like this. My, this is really good. And you know what the response is? Would you like some more? And my answer is, well, 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 yes, you know. You see what happened is, once I knew that dessert, it was so good, I sought more dessert. And so then I say, you can have the dessert again next time I come? The point still being, it's not about dessert. It's about the Lord. Sometimes I wonder in my own life that when I seek wanting to seek the Lord, I have then chosen to allow the world to steal my attention away from knowing God. The more I'm in the book, the more I want to know. The more I want to know, the more I want to seek. A.W. Tozier said this, what I'm anxious to see in Christian believers is a beautiful paradox. I want to see them with the joy of finding God, while at the same time, they are blessedly pursuing Him. I want to see in them the great joy of having God, yet always wanting God. What a beautiful, beautiful balance. I want to worship the Lord with a whole heart, 
and a willing mind because he understands my thoughts. Here's number four. These are not huge commands, but these are essential, non-negotiable. Son, I want you to seek him. I want you to know him. I want you to worship him. But he also says, I want you to serve him. Sometimes I think we need a little bump there. Yes, we love worshiping Him because it's safe to worship Him. The songs are really meaningful and there's that emotional connectivity to the Lord. And when I'm worshiping Him, I don't have to worry about other things because it's all about Him. I'm not being attacked generally when I'm privately worshiping Him or if I'm in a corporate group and together we're worshiping Him. But then there's the time that we move away from active praise and worship where we worship Him, watch this, by actually serving Him where we actually, if I could use this phrase, get dirty for God. When we really get out into the world, that mean, wicked world that doesn't know Christ, and we're serving Him. But remember, it didn't say serve Him, then worship Him. It said worship Him, then serve Him. Worship comes before service. For when we are truly captivated by who he is, the response is, we love you. We're giving to you your worth-ship. And we want everybody to know. Let me change some thinking in some of your minds. I grew up in a belief system where that we wanted to win people to Christ because we just didn't want them to go to hell. That's not totally wrong. We don't want people to go to hell. We don't want them separated from God for all eternity. But I think that's probably a weaker motivation. I think the biblical motivation is, I want people to know Christ as their Savior so that together they can worship the true God forevermore. And being saved from hell is a byproduct, albeit a great one, but not the only benefit. And definitely not the best benefit. And so I want to worship him, but then I want to serve him. But notice this too, watch carefully. Worship comes before service, but worship and service go together. They're all in the same verse. Together we worship him. It says, worship and serve him with a whole heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord sees every heart and understands and knows every plan and thought that we have. How important that is. Now, dads, for a moment, I'd like you to maybe sit in the seat of David. David had his battles with enemies. Have you had issues with people who've come against you in your life? Sure you have. David had battles probably in his family, as we've read about. Have you had family matters where you've had struggles? I'm sure you have. I'm sure that in your issues, we don't see a lot about this, but I'm sure there were some issues of resources that he needed to accomplish his tasks in life. Have you had issues about having enough resources to accomplish your tasks in life? Sure you have. Is it possible that David had issues with his health? We don't know. But he was a man, a human, so I'm sure he still had some of the same issues. But to him they were so minor. But I can only imagine that if at the core value of David was God, and he knew that God would take him through the enemies, would take him through the family issues, would take him through any source of resource issues that he had, God was at the center, and I'm going somewhere with this. So it's quite likely that he knowing now that he could not build this temple and that Solomon was going to be the next king and he would be leading the kingdom after David is gone, that Solomon 
would be bombarded with the same type of testings and temptations that David was. And so what he's now doing is he's leaving a template for Solomon to make him be, as a man, successful with God. And so he says, seek him, know him, worship him, serve him. And the good news is, in a humble way, David could be saying, as I have served God, as I have worshipped God, as I had known God, as I had sought God, you do the same. And that's what he was saying. And my house Solomon had the privilege of sitting underneath a father. In more cases than not, David wasn't perfect. He walked the talk. And now Solomon has that. Now for a moment, you young people, I'd like you to listen for a second. <clears throat> because now this is going to sound like daddy talk to you. So let, let God through David talk to you for just a second by what he now says to his son. After he gave this wonderful explanation to the nation and to the leaders, and he turned his passionate, heartfelt, fatherly love instruction to his son at the end of telling him to seek no, worship, serve. You know what he said next? He said this. Solomon, now, now, Solomon. Now, Solomon. Be strong and do it. You know why that's important to you and me? Because David was still alive. But he didn't say, Solomon, wait until I die, then start all this stuff. Solomon, wait until you know a little bit more. Wait until you have your act together. Wait until certain other things happen. He said, no, now, Solomon, embrace these four instructions for your life. And you do it, and you be strong. And here's where you are, young people. Perhaps you don't have a dad nor a mom who's walking the talk or at any stage in their life to give you this instruction. Then you just take it from the, from the heart of God through the mouth of God to you, the child of God, and say, okay, Lord, I do want to seek you regardless of anyone else. I do want to know you regardless of anyone else. I do want to worship you with my whole heart, soul, and mind regardless of anyone else. And I do want to serve you. And so, Lord, in your strength, I will be strong and I will do it starting Sunday today. Is there one dedicated guy, is there one dedicated gal that will humble yourself under the mighty word of God right now and say, I'll be that guy and I'll be that gal. Now what's so interesting is following that is simply this. Then David takes and he gives all of the plans to build the worship center. He says, here are the plans. Now, what is so significant about that? And folks, everyone listen to this. He knew that in order for Solomon to be successful and to do the work and all of that, that's the outward outreach of building and working and finishing up the worship center, he had to be right with God. So he said, here, you be right with God. You have an intimacy with God and it's defined with seeking, knowing, worshiping, and serving Him. Now that you have that now go and do this in the strength of the Lord. 
And so it still falls underneath. Our intimacy with the Lord will fuel our outreach or service or activity for the Lord. Lou Holtz, that famous NCAA football coach, made this one statement. He said, activity never trumps accomplishment. So young people today, I hope that you would take this lesson and say, by the grace of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, in my love for the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to be that man. I want to be that woman for the Lord. And moms and dads, this is the greatest instruction you can give to your kids. Now listen to this last phrase. I have no doubt if you're a Christian parent that you have been in some measure doing all you can to teach them this. But remember this thought. Your son or daughter, no matter how many times they have heard that, does not mean they embrace it. And teaching doesn't really occur when a student learns. Real teaching occurs when a student applies. And that's the nurturing part. And so for parents today, caregivers, grandpas, tutus, grandmas, whomever you might be, single parents, while you want to deliver this to your kids, own this truth for yourself. Now those of you that are outside this arena, remember still that concept. The Bible says if Jesus is lifted up, he will draw all men. No one seeks after God. We're lifting him up today. I would like to believe that in this room today, because of God's word, Christ being lifted up, that you're a little bit more wanting God. He wants you to have him. Seek him right now. It's, it's not a difficult effort. It's not by serving him, worshiping him, or knowing everything about him. All it is is to say, Lord, I don't know you, but I want to. I need you as my Savior, and I cannot get into heaven. And right now, Lord, I'm telling you that I am so far away from all of this that if I was to die, I'd spend eternity away from you forever. And I know that no matter how good I try to be, I'll never be perfect enough to get into heaven nor to ever be a part of your family, and none of those things will get me there. So, Lord, I come to you just as I am, and I'm seeking you to be my Savior. Listen to this. Scripture says in Jeremiah, Jesus, Lord, Jehovah, saying, If you seek me, you will find me. So if you're still seeking the Lord, I'm not too worried whether or not you'll find him. I know you will. What I'm concerned about is when? Better sooner than later. So here's what you say to the Lord. I believe that Jesus Christ is God who died on the cross in the person of Christ and rose again, shed his blood, and by my simple act of childlike faith, I believe you'll forgive me of all my sin. That's a mental transaction. You're seeking him, only him. You're coming to him just as you are as a sinner. No promises. And Jesus says, here it is. Seek me, you'll find me. Here's what he says when you find him. He that believes on me right now 
has everlasting life. You know what he's saying? You found me, buddy. You found me. He's the only Christ. Trust him now. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Let's take a moment and really seek the Lord. It was certain that Solomon's life would be filled with activity. And David wanted to fill it with accomplishment. Accomplishment that grows out of seeking, knowing, worshiping, and serving the Lord. For those of you that are on the path of seeking the Lord, cry out unto him right now and say, Lord, I don't understand everything about you, but I do know that Jesus is the Lord. I do believe that he died and rose again. And now, Lord, I know that in my head. But right now, I am totally relying upon you by faith alone. Lord, I'm coming to you, and Jesus is now saying to you, truly, truly, if you believe on me, I'm a God who cannot lie. You will never perish, and you will have everlasting life. You found me. Now, spend the rest of your life seeking him even more to know him to truly worship Him and to find out how He wants you to serve Him in the world in which He's placed you. Is there anyone here today that would like for me to pray for you? Maybe there is. And here's what we'll do. I'm going to ask you in a moment, if you'd like for me to pray for you, to slip up your hand. Now, raising your hand won't save you. Me praying for you won't, but... You're trusting Christ, and you'd like for me to pray for you this morning. You won't have to stand up. I won't come to you. You won't have to meet me here at the front. I won't describe your name or you in my prayer, but I will welcome you into God's family. Is there anyone in here today that would say, Pastor, I sought the Lord, and I found Him today. He is my personal forever Savior would you pray for me? Because I'm so excited. I know my sins are forgiven and I have a home in heaven. Is there anyone in here today with heads bowed and eyes closed but would quickly slip up their hand and silently by that tell me that they're trusting Christ? Is there anyone today? Put up your hand. Put it down. Anyone at all? All right, Christians. Did God speak to you today? Is there something you might need to do to do a mid-course correction? First, as a parent, to embrace these truths for yourself. And then secondly, to model these truths in front of the next generation leader. And then thirdly, with the passion of David, love your kids by telling them those same four truths. Seek Him. Know Him. Worship Him. And serve Him with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. If you're one of those people today, and you'd like for me to pray for you, would you slip up your hand now? Right now. God bless you and you and you. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I feel like I'm way at the front end of this whole thing on seeking you. But Lord, that part of you that I have touched and experienced is motivating me like never before to really want to know you better. Lord, thank you for so quickly and fully revealing yourself to me through your word. 
and what it's doing to my innermost being. And Lord, I'm excited about this journey and I thank you that you'll never leave me nor forsake me. And so, Father, I can serve you with joy and wonderful anticipation. And Father, I thank you for these dear people who are on the same journey with us. Help them now, Father, to be the parent who lives this instruction so they have a platform to teach this instruction. And finally, I pray for our young people in this church. My, how excited I am for them. Wonderful young people, Lord. Thank you for the parents that have done so well in rearing these young people. But now, Lord, I pray that they would follow the God of their father and that they would embrace him and they would take the family's legacy even to another level and, frankly, not make the mistakes of Solomon who misstepped after hearing and seeing these wonderful truths. Bless our young people. Make them mighty in spirit and champions for God. In Jesus' name, amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us Make It Clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear.